Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. We always hold out for the end. You never know. You never know what's going to happen for that person at the end. We never know. Samson's a great example of that. Man, great potential. Yeah, he threw it all away. He wasted it all. Absolutely wasted it all. But it was in that last act. That's his act of faith. It got his name written into Hebrews chapter 11. As a person to be like, to look up to. When it comes to faith in action, remember Samson. From superhero movies to sporting events, there's always someone who comes in and saves the day, isn't there? When the world is crumbling or the game seems lost, often there's that one person or group of people who turn everything around for good. Well, as Pastor James shares today, the Bible is full of unsuspecting superheroes, heroes of the faith who start out as anything but super. But that's often who God uses the most. Those who the world sees as inferior, God elevates for His glory. Now turn in your Bible to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. As Pastor James begins his message, Heroes of the Faith. read through this, okay? Verse 32. I'm going to read from New Living Translation, uh, and I might jump from that to the ESV, but we'll, we'll see. So it says, how much more do I need to say, right? Um, or what more shall I say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, uh, Barak, uh, or Barak, I choose Barak, um, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from, the, from death. But others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at, and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prison, in prisons. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half. Others were killed by the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed, and mistreated, they were too good, too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection or completion without us, right? So that's just a great big Summary, let me wrap this thing up, kind of a deal. My problem is I start seeing all these names and I'm like, well, I could do a study on that guy easily. Um, Yeah, we could spend a whole nother month going through just this last part if we wanted to, um, which you might be like, yeah, why don't we? Because we got to get to some other books. That's why. But back into verse 32. So 
you could tell he's like taking his time in Genesis, slowly walking through Genesis. He's like, yeah, let's talk about, you know, let's talk about Abel and his faith. And yeah, we'll talk about Noah or Enoch. And then we'll talk about Noah. And he's just taking his time, just going slow, you know? And then he's like, Okay, so we'll fast forward a little bit. We got, well, we got Moses, okay? So he's going to be the only one from Exodus, really, kind of the people of, well, his, his parents and Moses. And then the people, children of Israel with the, the Red Sea thing, that's cool. And then he really starts picking up the pace. So he's like, okay, they walked around the walls of Jericho. We talked about that with Joshua leading them. Joshua is referenced in this last part, too. And then with Rahab, and he's like, oh, I just, I really got to go. Because I'm only like, I just got out of the first five books, and I'm running out of uh, papyrus, you know? So I need to, I got to wrap this thing up. But all these people are just used as an example of what faith looks like, what faith in action looks like. Because faith that is not in action, I don't know if you can call it faith, honestly. (laughs) I'm just, I'm sorry, but... Inactive faith, I think, is oxymoronic, right? Like, that, does that even exist? Faith is active. And we've been seeing that as we, we started up our life groups and we're going through the book of James and listening to Matt Chandler go through this, the book of James. And, and he's been hitting this thing like crazy of like faith. And, and hopefully you've been catching on to that. But faith requires action. Um, it requires movement. Faith requires life. Um, and this, the, the list of people that we go through out of Hebrews chapter 11, just they illustrate what faith in action looks like. And what I love about Hebrews 11 is like, I can identify with a lot of these people. I can identify with well, almost all of these people. I think they're a little bit better than me in one sense, spiritually speaking. <laughs> like I would consider them like giants, you know, of the faith. But they're just normal people. And we see that even more so in this last list. When you go through, when the first one is Gideon. You're like, well, how'd that dude get in there? Gideon? Like, for real? It's like, I know Gideon's. I know Gideon's story really well. The Book of Judges is one of my favorite books, okay? Um, I love the Book of Judges. I know, I know Gideon's story. I, I could recite to you Gideon's story without even looking in Judges, okay? I, I love that story. I love it. And here, here he is on the list, and I'm like, well, how? <laughs> like, why? And there's two references that I believe that could be, spo- could be talked about concerning his faith. Like, this could be, a, you know, pointing to two different stories within his life. Obviously, the common one that we would naturally go to would be the, um, the leading of the army uh, into battle. You know, and he started off with like 32,000 soldiers, and then God kept dwindling down those numbers until where he ended up with like 300 soldiers. And then they go off, and they didn't even really have to fight. God gave them victory. And they're like, that's his moment of faith. That's it. I'm like, well, yeah, okay. Torches and trumpets and clay pots over the torches, that's a really weird way to go into battle, okay? That's a really strange way to go into battle. I think another story of Gideon's that could also be part of this is his first act of bravery because Gideon was a coward. He was a coward, and I don't think he's offended by me calling him that. Um, If he is, and somehow he hears this, he'll 
he'll call me out when we get to heaven, right? He'll be like, listen, bro, you can't call me a coward. Um, but I'll be like, well, read the Bible, because you were. Um, you were hiding out. When the, when the armies had come in, and you're hiding out all the time. All the time you're hiding out, okay? You're threshing wheat, uh, you know, down where nobody can see you and all that good stuff. And then the Lord shows up, and he's like, mighty man of valor. Gideon's like, who, who are you talking to? Who else is here with me? Because I'm not a mighty man of valor. I'm, in fact, I'm like the least of my family, and my family is the least of the tribes of Israel. Like, I'm not a mighty man of valor. You've mistaken me for someone else. And the angel of the Lord's like, no, I don't think so. I think you're perfect. You'll do. You're, you're perfect. You're exactly who God's looking for in this, this battle, this victory that he already, he already has for the nation of Israel. He wants you to be the judge. He wants you to be the rescuer, Gideon. So Gideon's like, okay, well, um, if that's true, then I'm going to need you to confirm it with a sign. The Lord's like, okay, that's fine. He did it twice, two nights in a row. One time, but like, let the dew be on the fleece, not on the ground. Shows up, that's what happened. The other time it was, let the dew be on the ground, but not on the fleece. And those could be reversed, I don't remember, but regardless... Like, that, that's, that's your mighty man of valor. He's like, okay, God, I'm going to need you to prove it to me. And he did, miraculously. He's like, okay, God, I'm going to need you to prove it to me again. And he did, miraculously, mighty man of valor. What I do think that this could be referencing as well as leading the army into victory is what he did in his town. Because dad had an idol set up in the midst of the town. And that's a big no-no. That's part of why they're being oppressed by the enemy is because they've allowed idolatry into their lives. And so here's Gideon, who it's his dad's idol. And he's got to go smash this thing. He's got to go tear it down. And so he does in the cover of night, but he did it in the cover of night, but he did it. And then everybody was mad at him. But then his dad, it kind of was the thing that helped wake his dad up. And his dad's like, no, he did the right thing. We're wrong. Gideon was right. He was right to bring down this idol, right? So I think that that was an act of faith, okay? I really think that that was an act of faith. Is this the act of faith that the author of Hebrews is referencing here? Maybe, probably not. It probably is more so to the army and having to really rely on God when you're like, okay, Lord, they have a massive army. We are outnumbered like crazy. God's like, yeah, I know. Um, okay, so tell half these guys to go home. They're like, no, 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 I need more troops. God's like, no, we need less. The odds are too far in our favor. We need to cut it down. And so then, you know, a good percentage of the troops leave. And then he, he does some other thing, and it gets winnowed, winnowed down to 300 and you probably know how that story goes. If not, don't worry. We'll cover the book of Judges. Okay, we might go there next. I still don't know. Joshua or Judges? I just don't know. Um, can't go wrong with either one. Maybe Joshua, then Judges, right? Who knows? But such fun stories in there. But then you have, I mean, there's Gideon, and he was, he's a judge, and he was used by God to deliver the nation of Israel. And then he didn't finish well. He didn't start great, the middle was good, and then the ending was like, Gideon, what did you, have you lost your mind? 
yeah, you guys build this ephod for me, right? Let's make some parades for me. Like it all went to his head is what it seemed like. So the, the beginning was a little shaky. Middle was good. The end was like, get in. It doesn't seem like you finished well. But yeah, here he is, Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. The next one, uh, Barak. I pronounce it Barak. You can pronounce it Barak if you want to. Uh, but I believe it's more accurately Barak. And you're like, what did he do? <laughs> you, if you don't know about the book of Judges, you, you would see that name and you're like, who's this guy? Well, um, he was an, a general in the, for the army of Israel. Because remember, the whole book of Judges is there's a sin cycle that happens. Okay? Following the Lord, compromise, be, they're, they're uh, oppressed or taken captive by the enemy, then they finally cry out to God, he sends a judge who delivers them, and then they start it all back over again. They just keep doing this. They just keep doing this. Uh, Barak, he's not the judge. Deborah's the judge. Deborah, a, a woman judge? Yeah, there, yeah. read your Bible. It was, she was a woman judge, and she was pretty awesome. He's the general, like he's the military leader of the nation. And God's like, go, victory is yours. He's like, Mm, okay, maybe, maybe I'll go. Tell you what, God, I'll go if you send Deborah with me. When you're like, you're the leader of the armies. Like, I get it. She's probably a pretty awesome lady. She's a judge. There's, I'm sure she has tremendous amounts of wisdom and all that. And so he has, he goes to Deborah. He gets kind of the push from Deborah of like, yeah, you should do this because he's telling you to do this. And then he goes out and they have a victory because of God. And his name's in Hebrews chapter 11. You're like, hmm, okay. <laughs> I mean, it's looking better for you and I, right? You're like, okay, well, maybe there was a chance for me. Um, so praise God, he, he listened. He didn't just listen to God, but he listened to wise counsel from a godly woman. And there's something to be said about that, okay? Wise counsel from a godly woman. Sometimes it takes a good godly woman to give us guys, a swift kick in the rear end to set us in the right direction and be like, no, clearly he's saying to do this and you should listen to him, okay? The next one just confuses us all, Samson. You're like, no, come on, seriously, Samson. Samson's a fascinating, just a fascinating um, case study on an individual. L amazing, amazing story of like mispotential, like the greatest, like if you were to write a story or maybe some sort of novel based upon that, you would use Samson as your case study. He had it all. I mean, he had it all going for him. Like an angel of God showed up and spoke to his mom, not just once, but twice, and said, you're going to have a baby boy. He's going to be a Nazarite, which means he has to be set aside. And there's certain things he can and cannot do. And so from even before you know, he was born, they already knew that about him. So as Samson comes into this world, he is brought into this Nazarite vow. You gotta let his hair grow. Can't, he can't even eat grapes, like no wine, no none of that. Don't, you know, just a lot of guidelines, so to speak. And so his parents were faithful to that and did the absolute best that they could. However, they gave birth to Samson. 
And Samson's a whole other person. He's, Samson was a special guy. Um, Samson did not want to do anything that anybody said, even God. Samson knew about this Nazarite vow. He knew about it. He was raised with it. And it seemed like he went out of his way to break that Nazarite vow. Oh, it's honey in a carcass of a lion. Shouldn't touch dead things. Oh, well, I'm going to get in there and get the honey. Like, you can't do that. That's wrong. Oh, there's a prostitute. And she's not even a prostitute of Israel. She's a prostitute of our enemy. I think I'm going to hook up with that lady. You're like, you can't do that. Like, no, that's bad. Samson, bad, bad Samson. He just did whatever he wanted to do, okay? And it, it almost like he had this pride and this arrogance, and he just walked through life just strutting. He's one of those guys. And he's just like, oh, man. And eventually it all caught up to him. And his is, again, it's just a fascinating one where he didn't really start off good, and the middle part wasn't really good, but he ended well, but he finished well. And that's how he ends up in Hebrews chapter 11. I mean, he's finally like broken down. And, you know, he, he had his special lady, um, Delilah. Hey there, Delilah, right? He wrote a song about her. Um, no, okay. Look it up. It's, it's, a, it's a real song. Um, anyways, he finally, like after continual nagging and nagging and nagging, he finally caved in, gave in to her. Tell me your secret, Samson. Tell me your secret. Tell me your secret. And he's playing games with her. Like, why are you even playing games with this lady? Like, why are you even making up these lies about, oh, yeah, my strength comes from this. Oh, yeah, my strength comes from that. Like, why are you playing these games, Samson? Samson, why? Like, why are you with her? You shouldn't be with her. You shouldn't be with her. But he kept playing these games, playing these games, and then finally... He gave in, all right, here, this is the secret of my strength, and it's my hair, and if you cut my hair, then I lose my strength, and all that good stuff. Really, the the strength was never in his hair. It never was. I mean, it was symbolic of it, and that was a part of it. But he, he, he gave the enemy the ammunition that they needed to take out a great weapon of God. And don't do that. Don't play games with the enemy. Don't play footsies with the enemy. Never ends up well. And so they, they, they shaved his head. They captured him, the strength. And it wasn't really, yes, the strength had left him, but it was like the spirit of the Lord had left him. And then he gouged out his eyes, and they imprisoned him. And then they made him, uh, you know, he put him in there, and he's, you know, using the, the meal and all that good stuff to crush grain. And over time, his hair began to grow back. And he prayed. He finally cried out to God. In the end of it all, he finally called out to God. He's a judge. He's a rescuer, a judge of Israel. He killed thousands of dudes with a jawbone of a donkey. Okay? Like, he's amazing. He such potential, like great potential. But it wasn't until the very end that he called out to God. And he's like, just give me one more chance. And they're having, the Philistines are having this celebration. And he asked the, the young lad who was with him to position his hands on the pillars. Right? So they're not thinking anything of it. He's Samson. We, we took his strength. We beat God's best. 
And then he cries out to God one more time, Lord, just give me one more. Just give me one more. Pushes the pillars over, killed more Philistines in that one last dying act than he had his whole life. And Israel was saved. They were rescued. That's an act of faith. That's an act of faith. What a beautiful thing. Like, you may know of somebody, and they may be fresh on your mind right now, and you're just like, it didn't start off good. The middle part certainly is not good. But we always hold out for the end. You never know. You never know what's going to happen for that person at the end. We never know. Samson's a great example of that. Man, great potential. Yeah, he threw it all away. He wasted it all. Absolutely wasted it all. But it was in that last act. That's his act of faith. It got his name written into Hebrews chapter 11. As a person to be like, to look up to. When it comes to faith in action, remember Samson. Fascinating. It's amazing how that works. Jephthah. Jephthah is another judge um, from the book of Judges. Interesting story there with Jephthah and his, um, his brothers. They share the same dad, but his mom was a harlot. Okay? And so his brothers hated him and booted him out. They didn't want anything to do with Jephthah. And then he ends up, um, he ends up you know, being a judge and a rescuer of Israel. But then he makes this foolish vow, this promise of like, he, he was granted victory, right? And he's like, God, I'm going to go home. Man, whatever comes out of my house, out of my door, I'm going to sacrifice to you. Now, number one, you're thinking like, why in the world are you making that vow to God? That's a weird thing to say. Lo and behold, the first thing that comes out of his house is his daughter. It's his daughter. And there's great, you know, debate over like, did he actually literally sacrifice his daughter? Like, kill her? I don't believe he did. Um, I don't believe that he did. There's, I know that there's, teachers that would say, yeah, he did, and all that good stuff. Then a lot of people say, no, he probably didn't. She honored that his vow, and what it seems to be is though she lived in a life of just um, almost like a, a monastic kind of life, like a nun, so to speak, like never to be married, never to have kids or anything like that. So he sacrificed her unto the Lord in that regard. Whatever happened as an outcome of that story, I, you know, I don't know. But it was, again, it was one of those things where you're like, man, you, you, the Lord did a great thing through, through you. Like, and then you get kind of caught up in the emotion of it. And you're like, oh, God, you know, and I'm going to make this great promise to you. And you're like, slow down, slow down. Just praise God that he, he used you and he did something great through you. But Jephthah, his name is written in Hebrews chapter 11 as well. Fascinating story. So then that concludes Judges, and now we go into like First and Second Samuel with David. King David is mentioned here. Just David, just that's it. I mean, there's references to him, I believe, through the rest of this portion, uh, the rest of the scripture, but it's like, oh yeah, and don't forget about David. Of course, how could we forget about David? I think David would be given more, a bigger time slot, honestly, but he's like, yeah, David, David, great man of faith. Yeah, a pretty awesome man of faith. Lots of stories concerning David and his faith in God. I don't know, the one about Goliath? That's a pretty big story. Like, how is that, like, if I was the author, of course, it's the Holy Spirit, I think, you know, uh, well, no, it's, it is the Holy Spirit. Who he's using to write this book, I think it might be Paul, but I'm not 
can't be dogmatic on that, right? But I'd be like, let's talk about David and Goliath, right? Because that's a huge faith story. And he just kind of slightly references it a little bit. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. We have story after story of the people who followed God through every hardship and trial, but the ultimate hero of our faith is none other than Jesus Christ himself. Jesus knew every temptation, every trial, and every suffering. He chose to lay down his life for our sake. There's nothing that you can face in this world that Jesus can't understand, nothing that he didn't face himself. And that right there is the greatest hope that we have in this life. You're not alone. You belong to Jesus, and he understands every tear. And one day you'll rise again and be with him forever in paradise. You've been listening to Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. Pastor James is teaching through a series called Heroes of the Faith. Each person we study reveals more and more of the Father's glory, his patience, his faithfulness, and his goodness. If you missed one or more of these messages, I encourage you to go back and listen to them again. You can find them at breadforthebroken.com. Once again, that's breadforthebroken.com. And be sure to come back next time as Pastor James continues right here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you, babe.